Let me go turn it. I guess I could turn the dryer off. Can you hear the? Can you hear the dryer? Uh, I hear like a humming, but I don't know if that's what it is. It, it might yeah. just be like a no, no, a that's what feedback it is. hum. Hold on, let me go turn it off. I'll be my my headphones don't stretch that far. I'll be right back. If I would, if I were Doctor Bill, I'd be singing some "Turning Off the Dryer" song right now. But I am not as clever as the good doctor. What was that? I said, if I were as clever as you, I'd be singing some "Turning Off the Dryer" song right now. Oh, uh, did you hear me trip? <laughs> no, but uh, went, oh, uh. that would have that would have made me laugh more. <laughs> I was trying to step over the cat litter box. <laughs> Bad boy in. Mm-hmm. La, of course I am looking at that. <laughs> the hell was that? I was singing with my la voice. Singing in the rain. La 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 la. Well, hello and welcome to what? What episode is this? Avengers Spotlight Nine, maybe? I think it's nine. Nine. <laughs> and Again. I'm and I'm stealing that from. Um, Chris on Star Wars in character because that was his thing when they got to, I think the episode nine he kept saying nine well, but anyway it's this a, is not the serious form of flattery yes we're here tonight we're doing another one of our uh, infamous Avengers spotlight email email no we're not just doing email no, well no. well and, and we'll we're also... make the listeners think we're just doing email they'll turn us off well if they've turned off already then you know to hell with them. <laughs> We are also going to be beginning our, our I, I guess it's going to be a side coverage in addition to any other normal books we cover, any other things we do. We're going to call this Corvax Corner. We're going to start going through the Corvax saga little by little. And no, that's not a, that is a Who song, but I'm not going to sing. Well, you know, in, in or the reality. No, wait, no, wait, is, no, wait, that's not the Who, that's uh, Robert Plant, sorry. The reality of it is that we've already done the first Corvax issue that we're going to do. Yes, what on, what on did our we Guardians do? episode? That's what it was. I couldn't remember where and where, where we did that, and it was the obligatory coattails riding Guardians episode. So it was. Yes, it was. And uh, if you if you continue to speak, I'll I'll actually give what episode number it is. Oh, my sciatica. Um, <laughs> sciatica. Uh, <laughs> sciatica. <laughs> <laughs> I have been. I have a l- l- lingering cough. Do I have to keep vamping? Have you found it yet? No, no. I'll, I'll keep looking, but we oh. can just talk. It's okay. I can actually do two things at once. The multitask is not, not, not me. Not me. That's 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 just too hard. It's hard. It's hard. 
Uh, any any comic Avengers type news? Anything reading anything lately? Well, we just had a trailer number three hit for the movie. I don't know if you saw. Oh, that. it looks so awesome. Yeah, and and we got a finally got a shot of the Vision. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I want to go and wait online now. <laughs> I just want to see that movie so bad. Some of the stuff I was reading was saying that they, they think that, you know, like people are starting to speculate that this one may end off kind of like in a cliffhanger leading into Civil War. I hope they don't do like a real serious cliffhanger. They could have some loose ends. Well, maybe just have set up. But I don't want it to be like a Back to the Future Part 2 ending, mm. you know, or, or a Mocking Jay ending or, you know, one of those kind of things to, where they where it's, you know, truly a to be continued story as opposed to some loose ends. I want it to be a self-contained story and then you could have, you know, certain aspects of it carry on. Mm. I, I I don't think I th- I I really think to just do a to be continued uh, might be getting to the point where they, where they're abusing their fan base now. Right. Well, we also got an Avengers mention la- um, in Tuesday's Agents of Shield. Did you catch that? I haven't watched it yet. So. Oh, it's it's just like a reference the, because they're what I'm going to say doesn't really sp- won't spoil anything in the episode for you. Uh, but there's a discussion between. Uh, which one's the girl? Simmons or Fitz? Yeah, Simmons. Simmons is the female. You have, you have Fitz Simmons, right? I think so. I, I always get it mixed up. Though. Oh, no. Yeah, she is because I think I remember it as in uh, they put the male first. So it's it's Fitz Simmons. So she's, yeah. So anyway, she's doing, running a blood test on, on Sky and apparently, you know, because they're tr- trying to determine what's ha- happened to her, blah, blah, blah. And then she starts to discuss, you know, that maybe these aren't bad things, you know, we have the Avengers, and then the other character she's discussing with is like, well, maybe if they hadn't happened, we wouldn't need the Avengers, blah, blah, blah. So, but but the Avengers were na- name-dropped in the episode. That's pretty cool. I like when they tie it in. Well, and did you also watch, did you watch Agent Carter? Yes. And you saw the, the conclusion? Yes, but it's been, and what, two when they And na- when they name-dropped who the hypnotizing guy was? Oh, yeah, yeah, that was Dr. Faustus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was so cool. Yeah, and then well, and how did you see the the closing shot of the last episode? Oh, with with uh, Arnim Zola. Yeah, <laughs> very very cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, the the trailer. It's a lot a lot of good Avengers stuff going on. I uh, I also started. I've been catching up on my Captain America reading, mm-hmm. and uh, I read the twenty five issue series that starts off with uh, Dimension Z and ends with the Falcon becoming the new Captain America. Well, maybe you. So what happened to Cap? Has, has he, as the super soldier serum kind of petered out and he's starting to age? or did somebody... No, it's basically been sucked out of his system by a character called the Iron Nail. The Iron Now or Nail? Nail. Nail. N-A-I-L. Okay. And uh, so he's basically rapidly aged and, uh, you know, he, he, he he's basically acting as the Oracle for uh, the Avengers right now because hmm. he's, he's no longer capable of going into combat. I thought the Dimension Z stuff started off interesting. It was attempting to kind of give like a Kirby-esque kind of world, but not with the level of imagination that Kirby had. Now, that uh, was something with Arnim Zola? Yeah. Okay. But it, it, was, it was interesting enough to keep me <clears throat> reading it. Then from there, when he got back and he had the, the Iron Nail and stuff, it really did start to lose me a little bit. Uh, but then it ended, and now that I've read the first four issues, I guess, of the all-new Captain America with, with Sam Wilson, or Snap Wilson as Cap. And uh, that's been good. That reminds me, the way it's written, it, it reminds me kind of of uh, 
you know when Brubaker was writing it and Bucky was Cap and all of that. Mm. But it, it's it's been that's an enjoyable read through four issues. Now, but now with um, <clears throat> I know because I another somewhat of a tangent with Avengers stuff is I play Marvel uh, Avengers Alliance on Facebook and right now they've got they're like uh, touting. If you play the game and you get a certain amount of items, you can get a free digital copy of, of, of Avengers 35, which is, I guess, is like the lead-in to the new Secret Wars. And I'm assuming, I mean, from what we hear, things are going to change. But, and I guess we're we're going to kind of be. It sounds like we're they're going to do. Of course, it's all speculation on my account. I haven't read anything, but what it sounds to me is that <clears throat> are we going to see a thing like Crisis, where a bunch of worlds are going to get smashed together? realities and they're going to create a new battle world and that you know we're going to have a secret war and then where where is the marvel universe going to stand after that i think they're going to combine i've heard talk of combining the the um ultimate universe characters with the regular universe do you have mm-hmm. you heard, heard anything that's what i heard uh because that those are the two worlds i think that are crashing together basically hmm. is the you know the the proper earth of Mo- the marvel universe the 616 earth and the ultimate earth. Well, that would probably go with what's been happening in the Avengers with the whole, um, I believe it's the Jonathan Hickman storyline mm-hmm. to where they've had all the parallel worlds and the convergences and uh, yeah. having to kill off the other. So, so maybe they're going to finally combine them down. But now, yeah, so, I, so I, I got to mean... say, I've, it, it, I know people rave about that whole storyline, but it's left, it's left me kind of cold. It's left me kind of scratching my head because I haven't been I haven't been reading it I guess in the the order it's been coming out because I've because I picked up back issues where and I can get them on sale and I don't I'm not sure I I don't have a I can't can cohesively follow it right mm-hmm. now I'm not sure like I get the gist of what's going on but I'll read a couple books later and I'll be like what happened to this guy what I don't what's going on and, but that just may be me but it sounds like you're a little bit in the same boat yeah but. Honestly, it, it kind of left me cold when it started, and I, I kind of just you know let it run until it until they come up with a storyline I, I want to read. Mm-hmm. And again, I know people rave about it, so I, I can't say I'm necessarily right, but it just hasn't interested me to this point. It, it's, it's just too much. It's it's like it's like Avengers Overload. Uh, you know, I, I really it's never ever going to happen. But I really wish they'd go back to you know. One, maybe two series with certain characters in it instead of like, you know, six Avengers books and seven Batman books and four Spider-Man books. And, well, yeah, if you know. they did that, I would probably buy it because but I can't afford. I know. I know people are going, Jesus, will you guys get off your horse on this? Well, I'm not because I'm going to stay on that horse forever. You know, I, I can't afford a four ninety nine, a three, you know, a three ninety nine book. I could afford one of them. And right now I am. I am buying the new Star Wars books right now. You know, and it, mm-hmm. it hurts, but I'm buying them. Um, but it's I'm buying more, the Star Trek Planet of the Apes books. See, but now I'm not buying the Star uh, the Star Wars Princess Leia book because I looked at the art inside and I, I don't like it. I haven't seen that yet. So I'm getting the Star Wars book and I'm getting the Darth Vader book. I'm getting two books and it's costing me probably, you know, close to ten dollars. You know, eight to ten bucks a month for two comic books. I can't do four, five, six Avengers a, a month. I just can't do it. I, I have to cut something out. And maybe, maybe that's something for them to consider in their sales is you can't do five, so you do none. Maybe if they had two, you'd do them. Exactly. That, but but they won't do that. I think I think they're pretty much going to just ride ride the horse of print out until they just. I mean, because they're 
till they sell next to nothing and then just do away with print and go all digital. It's probably what will happen in the next, you know, what, 10, 15 years. Or yeah, I don't know. They, they've, they've talked about a resurgence of the print sales, but I'm not sure that it's a true resurgence and it's not artificially inflated by things, you know, events like the new Star Wars book coming out. Yeah, I mean... I, you know, because we were on that one, uh, the one show where Scott was saying that that he had to buy like a pack of them, and and, and I was like, that's that's ridiculous, you know. I mean, it had like what, like a hundred variant covers for the freaking Star Wars book? Yeah, something like that. You know, so that's that's not real sales. That's that's, and don't take this. I mean, yeah, it's nice to have. It was nice to have that many choices in covers, but the p- idiot people that buy thinking that these are going to be worth anything. I mean, I, I'm not paying four dollars for a different cover. Well, on on right on its, on right, you know, just like it jumps no, no, right no, out no. I mean, I mean, I'm if, not buying a book. I'm not buying one copy of the book, and then I'm going to buy another copy of the book just because it is a different cover. But my 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 point is, if it's a book that sold as many copies as that one did, which it's the highest selling book in a long time, I, I don't know what the exact numbers are. Mm-hmm. That means there's a lot of them out there. That means it's never likely to have any significant value. Right. The only ones that so many copies. They're gonna the supply and demand, folks. That's how it works. Talk to Professor Allen. The only ones that will are the ones that had you know, because my my LCS was selling specific covers for like twenty bucks a pop, a hundred bucks a pop. Be, because it was a limited one, you know there was. A, yeah, I, but I, I which, don't think that has legs. I really don't. No, I mean, I'm surprised they could get that now. Well, no, that what I'm saying is that has legs for the insane collector that must have that variant cover, and that's. But it, see, the way they get those special variant covers is they have to order. Usually, usually this is how it used to work when I worked at the comic book store. If you wanted the special variant that was like one in a hundred, you had to order X amount of books in order to get X amount of copies of that variant. So the way the comic book store makes back, you know, if he has to buy a hundred copies of one book just to get that one variant cover, he could sell that cover for whatever he wants. And if he charges a hundred dollars for that one cover, he's made his money back. Now he's got all these other books that he could sell, blow out on sales, do giveaways, you know, down the road if, if they don't outright sell. So that's how they make their money when they have to buy these variant covers. So they have to find the one fan dumb enough to pay $100 for a copy of an issue yes. that's probably never going to be worth any real money on the open market. Only to a collector. Even then. Well, I mean, yeah, but yeah, there's there's always somebody stupid or crazy enough to pay something. I mean, I've bought stuff that I've been like, what the hell was I thinking? You know. So it's, you know, one one of the things you learn as, as a longtime comic collector is, yes, there are people stupid enough to buy anything, but we don't necessarily have the resources to find the people willing to do that. Well, that's other true. Than, yeah. Other than on eBay, where they're looking for a bargain, they're not looking to spend big money. Yeah, your best thing is to go to an auction, or or you have, uh, you know, if you have a comic book store and you have a book like that that you think it's worth a hundred dollars, you can put it in a in a poly bag and hang it up on your wall and put a hundred dollar price tag on it, and you can leave it there until that person crazy enough to spend that money comes walking in. Mm-hmm. You and I don't have the resources to do that. I've seen it because one time when I years ago when I worked in the store, I had a guy walk in and he had some bug up his butt and he had a lot of money. He's like, I want to get some I want some key issues. I want some number ones. I want some stuff I can put up on the wall. And he bought a ton of stuff. 
you know, that he was that one guy that came in, was looking for the, you know, certain books. They're out there. Yeah, I think those those guys are few and far between, though. Yeah, so. But I guess we should get into uh, what's going to be the bulk of the show, possibly, and that is the email. Well, here's my suggestion to you, my friend Bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we should start doing email as the end of the show. Oh, okay. I think when we, I think we should do books and then do email afterwards because there are, there is a segment of our listenership that really doesn't care to listen to the email. So they can listen to the books and then turn off if they want. Whereas the people who want to listen to the email, you know, they could stick with it. Stick around. I, I've I've taken a couple episodes where I've actually we've recorded it early, and I, and I've cut it and put it at the end anyway. Yeah, I, I think I noticed that on one just recently. So I also see we're getting we're backing up some some back to the bins mail is coming back in again too. Yeah, well we'll get the Avengers email out of the way today, and then we'll do the back to the bins next time. Yeah. All right. Well, then I guess we'll jump right into um, the Corvac Corner, as I'm calling and, it. And for what it's worth, the issue where we covered the Thor annual that he appeared in was back to the bins number one sixty three, which is our Guardians episode. Ah, okay. All right. Well, like I was saying earlier, that the uh, for the Korvac saga, I am using kind of as a guide the hardback edition of the Korvac saga, which in this edition they have reprinted uh, Thor Annual number six, which we covered already, and also Avengers 167, 168, and 170 through 177. Now, tonight we're just going to be talking about 167. But I wanted to bring up a little bit of backstory prior to 167 that takes place in the Avengers history. And that is that in issues 159, 162, and 165, Thor had been popping up out of nowhere to help the Avengers take on the major threats that they were facing at that time. And in, in issue 159, they were fighting Graviton. In 162, there's a run of about three issues where they're fighting Ultron. And then in 165, uh, they're taking on Count Nefaria, our buddy from our Avengers Spotlight, but not the same Count Nefaria. <laughs> same character name, different guy. Yeah, we, so, we covered the lame Count Nefaria. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, Thor was – see, this is – what's kind of neat at this time is that there was a thought to continuity between books because Thor, during his book in this time frame, was supposed to be on an interstellar quest – but he kept appearing in, in, in the Avengers, which, you know, nowadays nobody cares because there is no continuity. People, because the way the story arcs are with six issues or more, you know, it's all who gives a crap basically is the way it is not. I mean, I give a crap. I'd like to have a continuity that I could follow. But nowadays it doesn't matter. But back then it was pretty strict the way they followed things. So it was a little confusing to some of the readers back in the back in the late 70s. You, you remember that time, Paul? Very well. That Thor kept showing up in the Avengers, and then he would go away. Then he would pop back up when another threat happened. But we're not going to explain what was why that was happening yet. We're going to save that when we get to that through the course of the story. But I just wanted to give a little back history. I also want to read from the opening introduction of the book by Ralph Macchio. As I flip to the page, a little discussion. Mike was in Vinny fame. <laughs> So now i got to read this like uh, my cousin Vinny. No, I'm just kidding. It's <clears throat> This is introduction by Ralph Macchio. The impassioned epic pro- properly referred to as the Michael Saga was the brainchild of two of the premier talents of the second Marvel age, scripter James Shooter and co-plotter and penciler George Perez. 
Shooter's comics writing career spans decades. His, his work on on DC's Legion of Superheroes series is a high watermark that paved the way for his distinguished scribing, scribing, scribing. Jesus, maybe I should have read this a, little, a couple times. Writing on Avengers. <laughs> Shooter's crisp style and fine ability to juggle many characters made him, in some ways, the perfect writer for the world's mightiest super team. It's often been said Avengers lends itself to epics, and the Michael saga was the ideal exponent of that statement. You know, I've never heard this mentioned as the Michael saga. I've heard it mentioned as the Michael Korvac saga, yeah. the Korvac saga, but this is the first time I've seen the Michael saga. Have you ever seen that? No, never. Okay, so it's not just me. All right. From the prime period of the brilliant 1960s Kree-Skrull War saga, group books had attempted to outdo each other in longer, more intricate stories of cosmic scope. Yet all that, yet all that had occurred before seemed mere prelude to the coming of Korvac. And who better to illustrate and co-plot such an undertaking than the man who made his bones penciling team titles, George Perez? Although he was unable to see the Michael saga to completion, Perez's penciling prowess and plotting skills were on display early on, s- setting the expansive to- And the phone rings. <laughs> and it's my wife's sister. Call from. Ah. <laughs> we're going to cut this out. Are we? Yes. This is such fun. <laughs> my wife needs to pick up the phone. Thank you. Let's give me this phone. And take two. Just trying to figure out I could turn the volume off this one. Okay, all right. All right. I'm gonna re I'm gonna reread that that uh, that paragraph. <clears throat> and who la. La, la, la. And who better to illustrate and co-plot such an undertaking than the man who made his bones penciling team titles, George Perez. Although he was unable to see the Michael saga to completion, Perez's penciling prowess and plotting skills were on display early on setting the expansive tone carried forth by artists Sal Buscema and David Wenzel. Perez seemed to thrive on drawing as many characters as possible within the enlarging scope of the storyline, and Shooter's complex concoction was the perfect vehicle. Witness now this compelling portrait of a god in struggle, of the betrayal nurtured in the human heart that could cause the downfall of deities themselves. Presented for the first time between two covers, the Michael Saga is epic storytelling in the grand tradition pioneered by the mythmakers of Marvel. And that was by Ralph Macchio in 1991. So, any comments on that? Uh, well, no comments specifically on his introduction, but just as far as the Michael Saga or the Korvac Saga, were you reading that as, as it came out or is it something you picked up later? No, this is something I picked up later. I was getting this in would have been 1983 to 84 was when I started reading this. When I first remember, I was reading. I, I had bought, started to go back and get a lot of back issues of the uh, of the Avengers. So I was reading this along with the Celestial Madonna stuff at the same time, along with the new books that were coming out new. Mm-hmm. So, so, so this has been a few years old and it took me a long time to track down all the issues. Cause I was missing like the, the last, I, one of I, either 176, which I think is like the big blow up because I think 177 is like the wrap up. I think 176 was the big showdown. Right. And I, for years, I, I, it took me forever to find that. But when I did, it was, it was, it was amazing. So but, yeah, I, I was getting these, you know, I had a poll list at the time and. Obviously, Avengers was on my pull list, mm-hmm. and I was reading it as it came out, and I loved it. But honestly, I, I guess I was spoiled or whatever because I loved it, but I, I wasn't sitting there saying, 
you know, this is like the greatest thing ever. You know, I, I, was, I was spoiled. I expected books of this quality every now and again. You yeah, know, things like this, the Phoenix Saga. Mm-hmm. Well, know? yeah, and that was about when things like that were, were actually happening because in reference to uh, one of the notes in the book book that we're covering tonight actually re- references X-Men 100 um, and some Marvel 2-1s, which, you know, that's, that's about this time frame. So you were getting these as they were coming out. Now, we talked a little bit on the phone earlier today or in in messages that do you remember being puzzled by Thor appearing and then disappearing in the books? Like he would just pop in, help them, and then he would go away? And I, I kind of remember that. I, I You know, when, when you mentioned it today, it's funny because I, I only had a vague recollection of how that had happened and how they had built up to that. And then when I did my reread through, obviously they, they make mention of it in the story. Um, but I, I don't remember, like, being troubled by it. I remember noticing it and thinking, okay, you know, something's going on. But, like, it was like, well, whatever, they'll explain it sooner or later. You know? It, it wasn't mm-hmm. like a huge mystery that I, I was concerned about or anything. And I, and I didn't think it was, you know, a no-prize situation. I kind of figured they had some yeah, logic but, behind it. But when you think that – so we're, we're going to be reading issue 167, and they were starting back, oh, at least a good uh, eight months prior to this, laying the groundwork for it. Well, this, this, that was more the way back then. They would start subplots and, and let them run for a while because when, when a, you know, a creative team got a hold of the book, you, you didn't expect that they were going to do six months and go. Well, and I think that's because it wasn't written for a trade as yeah, well. that too. You, you know, you, you could – which is kind of – you know, I know we were just blasting Hickman or that we were having problems following the Avengers storyline right now because it's so long and through so many different books. But really that's – he's got a long plan and as I guess this has been building through different – he's like telling a story through many different lines is the way I, I understand it. That yeah, is, he's definitely doing a long-form story. And I guess it's even more challenging to do, you know, six issue blocks that are, you know, worthy of being put into a trade and still have a long form story going at the same time. Mm-hmm. That That's, a you know, that's got to be kind of challenging. But, you know, as much as I was turned off a little bit by Hickman's run on the Avengers so far, which is probably, again, I know a lot of people love it, so I'm probably not making everybody happy with that thought. But I really liked Hickman's run on the FF a lot. Mm. So it's it's not that I have an anti-Hickman thing going at all. No, no, I didn't mean it that way. I'm just saying that it's been hard for me to, because I'm not reading it sequentially and I haven't read the FF stuff and, and see where this has come from. And I've only just now started to maybe read some of his S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff, which is not where some of this had started from as well. I think so. Yeah, so I mean I'm, I'm not fully up. You know, maybe if I could sit down and read it all from the beginning to the end, I would have a different attitude. But, but like I said, only – gunshotting issues of Avengers here and there, it's kind of hard to keep up on what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. And, and But at four ninety nine a pop, it's tough to keep up with it. Yeah, yeah. So oh, let me hop over to, to get the indicia for our issue. I did not get that earlier. Get it from- now, with, with this issue, do you want to do a full-blown synopsis and then discuss – or do you want to go through it little by little, just discussing it as we go along? Well, I was going to read – okay, what I've been using as a guide, and I bought this a little while ago um, on eBay or actually through a- through Amazon is the uh, – I've got the official – the Avengers official index to the Marvel Universe, which basically covers all the Avengers uh, from up to about 2000. 
11, 2012. Every single issue, and there's a synopsis for each issue. Then there's a lot of background stuff, too, and that talks about flashbacks and things that happen behind the scenes. But we're not going to go that far in, in, into that. But I'm going to read the synopsis out of there. Then I figured we, we would go through the book because there's a lot of cool stuff that I'd like to point out in the book. But the, but the synopsis pr- basically covers it quickly, and then we can just go through the book. Sounds good. All right. So let me pause for a minute because I'm going to go yell at the people in the kitchen and tell them to shut the fuck up. I will be right back. Okay. I will too. I had to yell at my wife. Could you, could you hear them? No, I couldn't. Right, but so I wasn't specifically listening to them either. Well, I mean, they're right in the in the kitchen, right on the other side of the door. Just bam, bam, and she's talking to her sister. I'm like, can, can you go talk in the bedroom? Shut up, woman. <laughs> okay. Find a comic. Avengers. Yeah, because all of this... What do you mean it's not in there? Although this uh, this index um, doesn't give me, like, all the... Well, I guess it does give the credits. Hmm. I didn't realize it gave me that. Hmm. All right, 167. See, I've got conflicting information here. Oh, that must be... Okay. The cover... Oh, there it is. Okay, the cover... Yeah, the cover's Terry Austin does the inks. Oh, is it really? Yeah, that's why it looks so good. I mean, I'm not saying the inside's bad. But it's Perez Austin. Yeah, yeah, which is awesome. So, All right, I thought you were saying it was Austin no, on, the, on the actual pencils. No, yeah, I have some comments on the inking inside also. So, All right, well, let me. Uh, I'm going to do the Mike's Amazing World deal and then uh, run through that and then jump into the synopsis. So... Uh, maybe we'll, uh, okay, I'll just bring it back in. So, all right, and our book information comes to us care of Mike's Amazing World, and we are, like I said, a few times already, we're covering Avengers Volume 1, Issue 167, and our writer is Jim, Jim Shooter, penciler, George Perez, inker, on the interiors is Pablo Marcus, letterer is Joseph Rosen, colorist is Phil Rachelson, and the cover credits are George Perez and Terry Austin. And our cover is magnificent. I love it. It has the furry blue beast back in the old days. 
He's leafing off some far dais on there's, – there's, there's a big space background. You don't really know what's going on. They're in some type of large open area. And you have the Avengers coming from the right. And the Beast has leaped off this dais far in the distance. And he's coming down and he's doing a, a double-fisted Captain Kirk punch to the face of Charlie 20X. Um, and then on the 20X. left – Isn't that it? I just think it's Charlie X, isn't it? Or is it Charlie 27? Oh, Char- yeah, Charlie X is from Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, I said that's yeah, Charlie I, 27. Charlie 27. Yeah, but I said Charlie 20 X, I think. You combine the two. Yeah, so oh, anyway. So he's uh, uh, the Beast is given a double-fisted Kirk slam punch to Charlie 27. Or as they would call it in wrestling, a double axe handle. Ooh. And to the left behind him, we see all of the Guardians of the Galaxy um, posed very neatly on stairs, posed descending on stairs. in line. Yes, we have uh, Martin X, Yondu, Nikki, uh, Major Vance, Astro, and then uh, flying in from way from the far corner, doing a doing like a Jimmy the Jimmy the Superfly Snooka is uh, Starhawk, and then the Avengers assembled on the other side are Iron Man, Thor, the Vision, Scarlet Witch, Captain America, and a little teeny tiny Wonder Man way at the bottom of the page. Who was late to the party, I guess. And it says, Behold the Guardians of the Galaxy. And we're going to jump into the synopsis right now. <clears throat> Shield director Nick Fury alerts the Avengers to the sudden appearance of a gigantic space station in Earth orbit, its flight path seemingly threatening Shield space station. The Avengers, including guest Wonder Man and inactive member Thor, who has found himself mysteriously transported through time and space to assist the Avengers, uh, to, to assist in Avengers crisis of late. Assembled to investigate, team leader Iron Man is the last to arrive since he had to first leave the S.H.I.E.L.D. space station as Tony Stark before he could return as Iron Man. Unaware of Iron Man's secret identity, Captain America is angered by Iron Man's seemingly seeming negligence. The Avengers board and explore the giant alien space station, which turns out to be Dry Dock, home of the time-traveling 31st century heroes, the Guardians of the Galaxy past allies of Cap and Thor. Not knowing the Guardians, Beast gets into a scuffle with them before Thor breaks it up. The Guardians explain they have come to the Avengers time period in search of their foe, Korvac, who has fled to this era, possibly to target Guardian Vance Astro's present-day younger self, Vance Astrovic. Meanwhile, on Park Avenue, new designer Janet Pym, the Wasp, is staging her first fashion show when the Porcupine... (laughs) And his accomplices try to rob it. While uh, while Wasp, her husband Yellowjacket, and their ally Nighthawk easily defeat the criminals, a strangely intense man approaches fashion model Karina Walters and teleports away with her. And that is the down and dirty synopsis, but we're going to get a little uh, detailed. Yeah. So... On the opening page, oh, you want you want to start right off with the cover that we started. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We started to discuss. Yeah, let's jump back to the cover. I I, I agree with you. This is a magnificent cover. Uh, the the color palette on it right off the bat really just pops. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the yellow at the top, the black star field in the middle, and then just a little sliver of kind of silver, silvery blue at the bottom. Uh, just the whole layout, the way the the respective heroes are. Uh, gathered around the two featured combatants, Charlie 27 and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I f- quite frankly, didn't didn't even notice Wonder Man until you pointed him out. He's so <laughs> small in the background. 
but just so much going on, so much to take in. Everybody's beautifully rendered. Um, you know, it's just real intricate detail on on the uh, the backgrounds. Just just a absolute tremendous job. Well, and 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 the the fur on the beast is even looks looks great. I mean, it's so. I mean, he's Sorry. even well, yeah, but he he even has details like his his nails are claws on his feet, even his feet. You can see on his back foot as he's flying. You can see the claws on his toes. It's just so it's so detailed. I mean, it's it's this is you know this is great. You know, I'm going to be singing the praises of George. You know, George uh, Perez. Or, but but this is you know yeah, the George Perez always deserves you know tremendous prop. But this is one of the reasons why Terry Austin is one of the, the greatest inkers ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you put Austin with Byrne or Austin with Perez. It's it's well, Austin with actually just about anybody. I Austin, Austin on his own was a, was it was or is a, a fine artist. When you when you see stuff that he he drew by himself, he he doesn't take a back seat to people. But as an inker, he just was amazing. But see, I don't know if I could point out like I could pick like if you showed me. Like I don't, I'm not familiar with what just what Terry Austin's style is. I've always seen him paired with someone, and how he accentuates them. But I don't think I've ever seen something he's drawn himself. What I've seen, and I, I have only seen very little. Uh, I think the like the occasional cover. Uh, what I've seen of Terry Austin without anybody else is very similar in look to John Byrne. Hmm. Hmm. Which, which you know, I, I think you got to give. I, I mean, I, I love Byrne's work, and I love his work inked by numerous people. Uh, I've never been, you know, totally crazy about Byrne inking himself, and I, I think you know sometimes you see with Austin there how his style of inking just really complemented Byrne so well, mm-hmm. and 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 here you see that it also complements Perez really well as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and this 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 issue was uh, uh, how how much was this one? Thirty two, thirty five cents, thirty five well, cents. Yes. Well worth it. And, and I don't care what Professor Allen says, it's worth it. I think for the quality you get, it's worth that extra 10 cents. High I'd quality. pay another quatlu for this. 35 quatlus. There's also a hidden uh, on the first page. Uh, did you have anything else to say about the cover? No, I, I think uh, magnificent is the word for the cover. And, <laughs> yeah. we'll, and we'll move on. I think we're just going to give it an A right now. Although we don't use a, a, You know what? Uh, yeah, A, absolutely. Hey, surprise everybody. I'm going to give this book an A on everything. So. <laughs> yes, yeah, so am I. So we don't need to do grades, really. There, there, on the first opening page, uh, there is a hidden credit. I don't know if you see below Joe Rosen letters. There is a hidden Roger Stern co-plot credit there. Yeah, yeah, Sterno. Yep, that was uh, – now, I don't know if uh, – because I read that in some of my other research on another website uh, that he was given a co-credit. And I think that – because didn't he partially create the Guardians? And I think that's where that came from. Well, the, the Guardians were Gene Colan and mm. – Tempted to say Archie, not Archie Goodwin. Uh, I'm not really sure, but I, I don't think Stern was a co-creator of the Guardians, but he may have been a, a significant contributor to them when they were appearing in uh, Marvel Presents. Mm. But I, but I mean, they were created in Marvel Superheroes number twelve. I'm trying to remember who wrote it. It may have been Roy Thomas. I'm not sure. Mm. But as we go on, I'll, I'll come up with that information as well. Yeah. Okay. The opening page has got the beast. He's bouncing off the walls, and I guess he has just come from the shower because he is wrapped in a bathrobe. And he says, uh, "Whoops! I uh, I dropped my one of my five gallon <laughs> jugs of shampoo." Which you figure, if your body's entirely covered in fur, yeah, you're, you're going to be showering for a while. 
So, and you got to go through a lot of shampoo. And, and then and we could point out on that on page one is the first example, and I will have numerous more of Cap acting like a dick. <laughs> yeah, I know. And and um, Beast drops a lot of um, cultural re- references through the whole thing. Like he's doing a uh, he's doing a Gone with the Winter reference. Yeah, yes, yes, Miss Scarlet. Yes, Miss Scarlet. Now you, you see, uh, Miss Scarlet doesn't have any shoes on, showing how they were caught unaware. Mm-hmm. Although she did have her red body stocking on and her uh, red bodice there, whatever. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, damn, this beast. She looks like in, in, as, as drawn on the uh, splash page. It looks like she's got a little paunch. She does. She looks like she's uh, you know maybe she didn't have use her little uh, improbability powers to s- suck it in or something. I don't know. Plus, you know, Cap Cap says because they're they're both obviously they were caught unaware, and Cap says if you'd gotten up at oh six hundred like I did, you'd have been dressed and ready now, Beast. Yeah, because they they should have known that this red alert was going to come in right now, and and you know certainly a red alert is more likely to come in at seven in the morning than yeah four in the morning. Right. It, it, yeah. Because yeah. they time their emergencies that way. Yeah. Cap so Cap, Cap, Cap Cap is a Cap is kind of a dick through this whole. Yeah, and it's it's douche Cap. <laughs> douche Cap. Um, now a nice little touch is that you see he's reaching to the back of his neck and what he's doing is he's getting ready to flip up his cowl, uh, the cap cowl. And he also has his gloves on his belt. And then the next shot, he's, he's got the gloves on and, um, well, plus he had the shield over the back of his, you know, strapped on his back too. So, you know, they're all running in. So yeah, everybody's now cap's the only one that's almost completely dressed. Now, now. The, the artwork looks beautiful here as well, and, and I think you got to give credit. You know, people always talk about Kirby Tech, which is mm. you know, mm-hmm. a clear thing. I but I but they, I know what you're saying. Perez there's a tech such thing I think as, as well. Perez Tech. Yeah, because <laughs> because this this fits right in with it. There's but there's, I, I got to say this is the first page where I see a little bit of a heavy hand on the inking. The line work is a little thick, a little dark, and it's not really. Well, now this is I a think, different. I think anchor. a lighter hand would have done better. Yeah, I mean, I I would have liked to have seen this completely with just Terry Austin doing the interiors. Pablo Marcus is not bad, but yeah, you're right. It does seem to be a little bit heavy, a little bit darker, uh, maybe not as cleaner. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, it it still looks beautiful, but I do think that that a, a lighter hand would have even made it look even slightly better. Mm-hmm. And I think there's later examples where where it is more of a negative, the heavy hand. You know, here it's not really a big negative, but having noticed it later and then going back on the book, I'm seeing it. Mm-hmm. And then then we're introduced on the next page. Uh, uh, it's Nick Fury calling. Uh, the Vision has already beat everybody there because he can pass through um, the floors, the walls, and he points that out. And then uh, yeah, we we have douche cap and braggart Vision. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll have some more examples of that as well as we go. I came here by the most direct route. And then Nick Fury says, goody for you. (laughs) And I don't know if you you, want to read all the uh, all. Well, we don't have to, but everything he's saying is broken up by static. He's up in the shield orbiting space station. And uh, I think he he goes to throw a uh, uh, goddamn in there. But it says uh, my technos finally patched through the god static. To get by those comics code authority people. Yep, and um, and then the beast was asking, well, well, you know, statics, sunspots, and then the next two or three sentences, there's no static at all. <laughs> Nick Fury just babbles on. It's not broken up or anything. But then they pull back from the shot and kind of a scene that's reminiscent. Now, when did Star Trek the motion picture come out? 
right at this time or a year later? What, what, what was the release on this? Uh, it the inside date is, but it would have is January nineteen seventy eight. So it it would have been. I think Star Trek would have been out by now, because um, they figure out they they can see the space station. But they figure they're like, well, there's just, there's no stars behind it. What's going on? So they basically zoom out and see this giant space, this giant spacecraft or like another type station behind the shield space station. And it reminds me of Star Trek one when they were on the the different, you know, they were on the where the magnification was set, you know, and it's like, you know, Sulu change the magnification. Uh, we're already on that one, sir. What? Yeah, and, and the way the space the station looks, it, it reminds me of like two thousand one, a space odyssey. Yeah, that or like Galactus is um, one of his various um, what what is uh, Galactus ship called like Tau or Tau two. But yeah, there's it's 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 about what ten fifteen times the size of the Shield station. Oh, at least. Yeah, it's huge. It, yeah, and and it does look like a spinning space station from two thousand one. It's got. It's got the big, uh, it's got the big ring. It 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 looks like a, it looks like a, a dumbbell with a big X and a circle through the center of it. Yeah, that's that's a fair description. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, uh, just just to change, you know, to take us off topic for a moment because we don't do that enough on our own. Uh, I, I I did look up the uh, initial appearance of the Guardians, which was in Marvel Superheroes name number eighteen, January nineteen sixty nine. Created by Arnold Drake and Gene Colan. Okay, well, maybe Stern was just a behind-the-scenes plotter in this. Then was where, why he got the co-credit. So. Yep. And then uh, they're all stunned by it. Uh, you know, everybody's. Uh, <laughs> Cap says, "God, mother and country, it's awesome." And the Vision says, "Never have I beheld such a massive, a, beheld so massive a construct." And uh, Wanda says, "Where did it come from?" And the Beast says, "It's big too." <laughs> The guy who's usually the the brainy one coming off with the little quips, but I well that's it. That was his yeah way. yeah. He was he was very flippant too. So uh, basically, Nick Fury says, "Hey, this thing popped out of nowhere and it's gonna hit us. So you guys need to get your butts up here to figure out what this thing is and to help us." And then he he cuts the line and then he turns to someone in shadow and it's it's actually Tony Stark on the satellite. I have a, with, I have a little problem with that there. Uh, like, why is he, he calling them? Like, they're no, no. The, call? The, all he's concerned about is that it's going to damage their uh, their little can't, ship. Can't they move out the, of the way? And and aren't they a little concerned about why is it there? What is it doing? Who's on it? Yeah, exactly. How do they know it's not you know a, a uh, you know somebody who's who's got bad uh, bad intentions? <laughs> you know, maybe there's firepower on it. Maybe they're going to just destroy the Earth. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe there's bigger concerns than the Shield Station. Oh, speaking of the Earth, going back to the big panel where you see the Shield space station and uh, the big ship. Mm-hmm. What's a what, this is the only really nit nitpick I have about the Earth art. What's up with the clouds on the planet Earth? They're, they're very large and sporadic. Yeah, but they're like out in space. Well, they large. I think there's an atmosphere that kind of keeps them in. I don't think we yeah. see puffy bulbous clouds on the outer edge of the planet. Well, I think that's that's the way it's. It's drawn to try and look like the way it, it looks from afar, but uh, unsuccessfully. I have to yeah. agree with you. It's it's not. That's it, it's a nitpick. That's a nitpick. It's, yeah, it's that's... just a little corner of the shot, but it doesn't look quite right. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so then, then we've got, uh, basically Tony Stark is, uh, you know, saying, Hey, I need to, I need to get back down to the earth. And we know he needs to get down there too, because he knows that, um, he's the current team leader or the team chairman. And so they, so nobody's going to be able to leave until he gets there. So he's got to hurry up, scoot back down to the earth and turn around and come back. And then, in here, we have a little interlude where uh, Thor and Wonder Man are at a diner, which uh, I believe Wonder Man, since he's made out of ionic energy, I don't really think he needs to eat. But anyway, so, you know, well, uh, you know, and, and, and it's kind of cool because I never would have pictured Wonder Man and Thor as the type that would say, hey, let's go out and eat and have lunch. But it's kind of cool, you know, that that, mm-hmm. that there are these these relationships. And, and there's everybody in the diner staring at them. Everybody, <laughs> the waitresses, the people in the other stands, uh, um, uh, booths, they're all just looking at him. Um, and basically, a Wonder Man saying, well, you know, I don't know if I'm as, you know, a longstanding thing with Wonder Man. He never thought he was good enough, never thought he was powerful enough. You know, he had a big complex. And then Thor's kind of perplexed about, he's like, you know, I'm, I should be elsewhere, but yet I'm here. It's as, as, as though as if I've been displaced through time. And before they can really go any further on that, hey, it's the people beeper. Iron Man gave Simon Williams and uh, Help, the Avengers must need us. Let's go. So I guess they stiffed him on this check and just took off. <laughs> and then here's another trope. Well, I don't want to say trope, but so- something that George Perez does that, you know, you know, we said Kirby Tech. I want to call the Perez Cityscape or Perez Cities because mm-hmm. you see Thor and Wonder Man flying over a city. Look how detailed that is. That's not just like a block, you know, of just a blob of a dark building. Those are buildings with windows and air conditioning units on the top and water towers. It's just it's ridiculous the amount of detail. I mean, it's beautiful the amount of detail he does. I mean, other artists could have just chintzed on it and they could have just had just just a, a couple streets, maybe a dark blob, but this is just really detailed. And the next shot, this the the side shot of the Avengers Mansion is just detailed and beautiful as well. Yeah, I agree, and and uh, I, I like on the on the city shot, and and it is kind of a Perez staple. But uh, the the perspective on it, it really gives you the impression that they're high above and looking down, and then spreading out above them, uh, or or you know on the ground, but moving away from them. Uh, it it really is a just a you know very detailed and a, and a nice shot. Mm-hmm. And same thing with the mansion. That looks like a place I'd like to live. Me too. So, um, oh, it also should be noted, uh, I, some of the little research I did, this is where Simon Williams starts to wear his, um, the red jacket because prior to this, he had had the, um, the green and red striped outfit. Yeah. Which I liked that. I know it's not. Well, he's kind of gone back to that in recent years. Um, but, but yeah, this was the seventies, the Steve Austin, big red denim jacket whatever the hell that was it's a safari jacket safari jacket that's right and with uh with his um with his uh jet belt ah <laughs> oh, yeah ah oh, the 70s plus he had the blue turtleneck sweater <laughs> he was styling and if, and of course we have another example of uh dick cap yeah iron man shows up and cap starts yelling at him yeah 100 men might die up there again <laughs> how do we know this thing isn't threatening the entire planet <laughs> which the way they're acting and 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 some of like what we saw in the Avengers movie with the little how they kind of grate on each other, you know, we're getting that way back here. 
to where they don't always see eye to eye. Now, on that shot with, where Cap is yelling at him, an, another example of where the inking looks to be a little heavy-handed on Iron Man. Mm. And on Cap's hand, for that matter. Yeah. Well, so then, then they head up. Um, uh, <laughs> Beast ma- makes a st- another comment while they're flying up to the thing. He says, Lordy, I'll be hanged if I could figure out what it is, but I'll bet it takes a heap of green stamps to buy one. How many out there remember what green stamps are? <laughs> I barely remember. You don't remember green? Well, maybe I had them down here. It was where, like, if you... Sp- You'd buy your groceries and you would get green stamps and you could save up your green stamps and then they had a special green stamp store to where you could buy merchandise with your green stamps. And it was, it was you know, wasn't anything spectacular, but... You know. It was kind of like the equivalent of going, you know, your kids going to Dave and Buster's now and then after they're, after they're done playing, they have their little uh, tickets and they could trade it in. Yeah, you know, yep. Spend $600 on video games and then you get enough tickets to get like a $3 prize. Exactly, yeah. So as they're heading up to the Shield Space Station, they uh, they go on board and they all get outfitted with spacesuits. And it almost looks like they wrap Cap Shield, but I think it's just an inking thing. It looks like Cap Shield is wrapped in the spacesuit stuff too. You see it? When netting. Yeah, that's it. it was kind of weird looking. Like, yeah, what, what and was then going on with that? that first panel has a uh, uh, cocky vision example too. Colonel Fury, I will have no difficulty entering the entering the construct. But what of the others? Well, maybe you could open the door for him, you intangible. <laughs> <laughs> now is that uh oh okay never mind i okay where they say uh the one te- te- technician that's playing with uh simon w- williams crotch the one mm-hmm. woman um that She's says servicing him yes wonder man yeah well he look he's like looking off in the distance wonder man wonder man you could probably endure space temporarily without a suit like thor in a vision but why take chances now i'm thinking he's saying i'll drink to that but it's pointed at Tony Stark's foot, and isn't that kind of ironic? Considering that it'd Tony, it would be funnier if it's Tony Stark saying it. <laughs> yeah, so I don't really know. I don't know if Tony Stark is saying that or if. Nah, no, nah, that's that's one demand. I know, but it, but it, it's it's technically it's on Tony Stark's boot. The it comes from Tony yeah, but Stark's it, but boot. It's one uh, yeah, I know. It's just a poorly placed bubble. But funny considering. But you know, I, I and I think that was necessitated by the. By the artwork, it really there really isn't an opening for them to put a, no. a voice bubble from Simon Williams no. to anywhere else that made sense, because otherwise you'd be covering up Iron Man with it, right? Or Thor, or 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 Nick Fury, or the, or the little old guy who's standing next to him, yeah, <laughs> who's look just just looking down upon the beast. <laughs> so uh, basically, then then they all. Boogie on over to the space station. They get inside because their uh, Stark's computer had determined what they believed was an airlock, and or they had found an opening. And hey, it was an airlock. And as it seems, they um, uh, uh, the uh, Tony said, "Well, excuse me, Iron Man. My 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 armor's built-in sensors show this atmosphere to be chemically perfect for humans." Yeah, but (laughs) you know. Thor, who didn't need to breathe, who was able to endure the vacuum of space and go to this place, said, yes, it would seem fit. Oh, yeah, okay, I'm going to take off my helmet now. Yeah, thanks, well, Mr. Well, Scientific. Well, which is funny because wasn't it um, wasn't it in Thor Annual 6? Didn't Thor get frozen in space and was found by the Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. before he died? But yet now yeah, I don't can... know if it's that he doesn't have to breathe at all or if he does just, you know, can hold his breath much longer. I don't uh, know. It could be. So, uh... Now they take off the big bulky suits, and what I find is funny is that as you know, Wanda says, 
you know, we don't need these bulky suits. Really? Bulky suit? Why were you wearing your freaking headdress underneath your... (laughs) (laughs) She was wearing her Scarlet Witch headdress underneath her space helmet. Either that or she stuck it on as soon as she got that thing off. And the Beast puts out another little joke saying, uh, you know, um, look for a sticker that says made, made in Japan. Next so, panel has some more great Perez tech. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is another just yeah. I don't really have anything else to say about it because it's it's it, it's its own animal. You know, just like Kirby tech is its own thing. Perez tech is the same. Although I would question the choices on the coloring on that page. I think it could have looked far more awesome if they actually put a little effort into it and didn't make the machines monochromatic. Yeah. I I think I. I think maybe what they were trying to go for was to convey darkness, but I think it gets ruined by using blue on one thing and purple right next to it, and then a lighter purple beyond that. You know, it it doesn't show really shading. It's just like I don't think these you're we're meant to believe these are blue and purple machines. I think it's just trying to show that it's dark where they're at. But where where the Avengers are standing, it's brightly lit. So there's really no yeah the, the only reason I could see for making them darker like that is to focus you on the center where the Avengers are. And they're not colored either. They're just monotone, just a gray right. tone. Right. And then the floor is like a bright yellow, like a highly reflective surface. Yeah. And, and then got on to the next panel where <laughs> Cap is acting like a douche again. <laughs> yeah. He starts ordering the Avengers around, even though Iron Man is the chairman. And then Iron Man goes, you could see the, the actual swivel lines of him turning his head because they drew him in. And he says, huh? <laughs> and then uh uh on like the next group you know you know we have to where everybody's split up and iron man's thinking to himself um you know uh oh because uh oh wait i think we see the return of um i didn't notice this iron man's using his roller skates oh yeah look at that i didn't notice that either <laughs> i just looked down i was like i think he's using roller skates yeah he is you're right now, now at this point in Marvel history, Thor and Iron Man know each other's secret identities. Do they? Why not just tell Cap who you are? Uh, <laughs> and that, and that's why you're not there all the time. You, you don't trust Cap seriously. Yeah. It's not like nobody knows it because Thor did know it at this time. I yeah, do remember that. Um, on on this same series where they're all splitting up. Uh, Vision acts like a cocky ass again. I could cover more area faster by passing through these bulkheads. Perhaps I should scout ahead. You know, you know screw you. Why don't you do what Cap said? Well, and that's what Wanda says. I think we should stay together, as Cap suggested. Jerk. <laughs> Synthesoid jerk. Synthesoid tool. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, Iron Man's thinking to himself, you know, you know, um, it's no secret that Cap doesn't like his leadership and his resentment is growing, getting personal and... You know, they 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 need to address it before something bad's going to happen. So and meanwhile, Beast is off on his own um, scouting around. Probably could, could, he says to himself uh, because he could get, get he could get around quicker by himself. Uh, the only person that would be able to keep up would be the uh, the Black Panther. But the Black Panther is off on his own business, which is why he's not there. And as he comes out of like a little hatch, he's basically uh, Scott, Scott Gardner. Uh, hitched up by the neck, <laughs> and he is being hold, held by Charlie 27. Charlie 20X. No, it's 27. <laughs> I said 20X earlier. Um, and basically, Charlie 20X doesn't know who the Beast is and calls him a, a ugly space monkey. 
To which the beast replies, monkey, ugly. And they think it's some type of animal uh, parroting back what they're saying. Uh, so, you know, hilarity ensues as the beast gets away and um, teases um, Nikki with a, uh, I guess, a Japanese stereotype. Ratsa Ruck fire top. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Beast is thinking that she has some Annie Oakley type reflexes, but, you know, l- l- luckily he's pretty quick on his feet. And she says, oh, my God, he's so fast. Then he tries to dive at uh, at Charlie and bounces off of him because he's got the uh, more massive um, – where he is 11 times more massive than humans. So uh, the Beast bounces off him like, a, like nothing. And – before Nikki and um, the Beast can get it on, uh, Starhawk, and re- this shot is kind of reminiscent of what was on the cover, although people are in different order on the stairwell. We see the and Guardians. Again, and again, this is a badly, years. yeah, that is a badly inked panel because Starhawk looks like, he doesn't even look, he okay, this is a comic book, but he looks like a cartoon. Yeah, yeah, that's... It, it, it's the inking is so heavy at this that it, it's all the taking away some of the subtlety of the detail. Yeah. Whereas Yandu looks pretty good, but he's kind of in shadow, so he kind of holds up, and the background kind of holds up. But Starhawk, Martin X, and Vance Astro, they're not. They don't look that good. Yeah, and 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 again, I'm blaming it totally on the heavy-handed inking. Yeah. So the beast is still a little bit pissed off, so he goes to jump at uh, Charlie and basically gets Thor's. He gets yoked up once again by Thor's hammer. By Mjolnir comes in and hooks his foot with the strap. All right, yeah. Now let's let's stop there for a second. <laughs> the the expert marksman couldn't shoot him. Who? But Yondu? Thor can what? Who? Yondu? No, uh, Nikki. Oh yeah, yeah. Annie Oakley. Yeah. She wasn't able to shoot him because he was bouncing around, but th- but Thor can throw his hammer in a way that it's going to catch him midair on the thong by his foot. I will I will say yes, and here's why: because the beast is not looking at them, and I would say that the hammer comes from behind him. Because if you look, he's leaping towards Charlie and Nikki, and then the hammer comes and is spinning him in the opposite direction away from them. Yeah, so, I'm call, still calling bullshit on it. I, I, <laughs> I don't think so. The only the only explanation I could come up with that I would accept is the hammer hammer is mystical and, and it is able to do things even though – like the Thor could never time it that way. It's the hammer itself doing it. He's a god. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> oh, I, I missed one of the footnotes earlier, but I think we would mentioned it prior because uh, I, I just noticed coming up we got a lot of footnotes. Uh, there had been some damage on the shield station in X-Men 100. Uh, that was back when Tony Stark, I think that's why Tony Stark was up there to help them fix some stuff uh, or, or was part, part of the budget. So anyway, because up in the next panel, we see that where the beast has now been returned to Thor along with Mjolnir. And, um, basically it's a whole big thing about, uh, Y'all, there are there are allies or from the future. I, I dealt with them. Cat dealt, dealt with them. And um, and again, Cap Dick. Cap Dick. You should have you should have recognized them, Beast. I met them once before and recorded their descriptions in the Avengers archives. So you should be studying everything I write. <laughs> but luckily, and here we have an early you know thing where where Wonder Man comes you know to the 
the aid of his buddy and says, give him a break, Cap. He's been studying the files. He probably just hasn't, you know, just isn't that far along yet. And Cap's retelling was in um, two, uh, Marvel 2 and 1 number 5. And they were actually last seen. That was in the future. Right. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Cap, Cap and the Thing and Sharon Carter uh, used unintentionally. Actually, no. Somebody came back in time on Doctor Doom's time platform and then they went back to the future with her to uh, basically combat the Badoon. And uh, they hooked up with the Guardians while they were there. Mm. And, um, Which was actually, I believe, the only the second appearance of the Guardians. Wow. And Vance Astrovic, or Vance Astro as, he called, as he's called now, uh, remembers, you know, that these are the Avengers. And, you know, you, uh, you, you were from my boyhood on Earth a thousand years ago. I used to dream of meeting you. So everybody has to get together... Um, and I think this is another subtle possible cat being a dick. Uh, Starhack, this is Iron Man, our current chairman. Yeah, well, especially since the, the word, word current is more bold. Right. So it's like he's <laughs> emphasizing it. Yeah, as in like he may not be chairman much longer. <laughs> yeah. And then it's also explained that, no, your tiny space station is no longer in danger. Our meteor deflectors will keep it at a safe distance. Now, okay. Their meteor deflectors will keep it, meaning the space station, at a safe distance. So, ergo, would it not push it out of the orbit it was already into and then burn up and crash to the Earth? Quite possibly. Yeah. But that's not their problem. Well, maybe maybe, maybe they should move away from the space station and not push it out of the way. <laughs> so, and we get another little quick recap uh, where um, Cap is saying, so you also entered the future and met the Guardian store. Indeed. Recently, I have I have now, not Cap, yet entered. you didn't study my notes, did you? Well, no. He says, indeed, recently, uh, re recently, I have not yet entered my account into our log. All right. Enough with the log, okay? Shut up. <laughs> And then we get a quick retelling of uh, Thor Angel number six. It's where he met up with Korvac, which then we discover is the reason they are here. Because Korvac disappeared from them again and apparently disappeared back to this era. And he means to basically kill the young Vance Astro in this time period to prevent the Guardians from being formed by the... Um, <laughs> Uh, by Major Vance Astro, a space jockey whose body will be preserved in form-fitting foil. So maybe I should do that. Maybe I should wrap myself in some tinfoil, preserve my body. That would help. Yeah. But it's, it's not that he's back to kill young Vance Astrovic. It's they think he's there to kill. They think, yeah, yeah. Well, that's way what they believe. And then uh, Iron Man pops up and says, well, yeah, of course, he would create an alternate reality, which would be unopposed because the Guardians would never, ever come to be. Yeah, okay, whatever, science. Now it's getting you like... for John Connor. <laughs> it's getting like Doc and, Doc and Marty in here. So... <gasps> Look at the photo. <laughs> You're fading away, Marty. The comic book faded away. There's no Marvel Presents. <laughs> uh, and uh, so they get back to Fury, which it's kind of funny that they hadn't got back to him yet to explain all this to him. So now, now they tell him, oh, everything's on... on, on under control and uh except for the dad blamed also you gave me tin head and basically we cut out and that's where we're gonna leave uh our friends up in space because now we pop back down to manhattan and on park avenue and basically there is a fashion show being given by 
the wasp, who's dressed in basically a rather nice uh, toga dress, I'd really? say. That's that's she's a fashion designer, and that's what she's wearing. Yeah, she, she's she's wearing a toga. Well, you know, maybe I'm wondering if this is like a hint at Perez's love of uh, with like the way he draws Wonder Woman later with the togas, you know, like like the Greek, the whole Greek style thing. Well, this, this woman introducing her looks almost like she's wearing like a a more covered toga type dress. Yeah, she's Look also sleeves on that thing. Yeah, I know, but she's also pretty freaking hideous. Yeah, yes, she is. <laughs> That's Miss Lichterdale. Yeah. Okay. And what the heck is is Kyle Richmond doing sitting at this thing? I, you were wondering I'm that too, I right? By. I'm glad Look, I dropped by. Fashion show. Well, maybe he just wants to look at the chicks. Maybe he likes. Maybe he's got a thing for the wasp. You know, I don't know. You, 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 oh, and of course, uh, the wasp has to point out. Hello, everyone. Hi, Hank. Could you stand up for a second, please, love? Because if she didn't introduce me, he was going to smack it. Or, or later he'll be like, "Woman, I'm going to smack you for making me stand up in front of everybody." This is folks. I'd like you to meet my husband and best critic, Doctor Henry Pym. <laughs> and then. Right in front of him, because they don't tell you who this is yet. It says, hmm, I didn't notice Pim behind me. I'll corner him later so we can shoot the breeze and smack Janet around. So then we go through. Uh, there's a few different people. Uh, women are up. I don't know if these were people we should know or these were maybe friends of people that worked at Marvel. Because they're, they're, they're name dropping these people like Kathy Schilling, Denise Vladimir. Any of these names ring a bell or anything in Marvel no, history? Not to me. Yeah. Like, I wonder if those were, like, friends of, or, you know, like, maybe some staffers at Marvel Comics or something. It just seems odd that they would have these. I mean, I guess it's not, not, not odd to have names for people, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just a fashion show thing. So, anyway, we figured out this other guy sitting in the in the audience is, uh, of course, I always think to, of myself and refer to myself in the third person when I think in, in my head. Who would yeah. have thought that millionaire industrialist, <laughs> industrialist Bill Robinson would be here? <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying that, not you. <laughs> Strange how things work out. And that's Kyle Richmond saying that, not me, but that's what I was thinking too. And then he says, speaking of strange, I wonder what this weirdo, what's with this weirdo? He's been sitting there like a statue since before I came in, and why on earth would someone wear a tux these days? He gives me, uh, he gives me kind of a Gary Seven vibe from Star Trek. Who? Um, Kyle? Mike. Michael. Mike. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. Yes. He's just staring. Yep. Just, just the way he's drawn. I don't know. He looks similar to, uh, I forget the actor's name that played Robert, Garrison. Robert Lansing? I think that's correct. Yeah. And then finally, the last model is brought out, and it's Karina Walters. Now, a sultry summer jumpsuit model by Karina Walters. And with that, um, the the man in the tuxedo suddenly gets a stir out of that. And, and you know, Kyle Richmond must be just like a voyeur or something, staring and watching people. Because he's like, oh, that got a rise out of you. And he's, forget it, pal, you're not her type. How does he know? And um, But before that can go any further... Um, Dun, dun, dun. The porcupine. Porcupine's <laughs> so cool. He's so cool in, in, a, in a lame way. Now, here's one thing I'm wondering. Was, did the porcupine decide he was going to rob, well, you know what? I don't know. I might have to look this up. Okay, here's, here's this is going to be my crazy theory. Because the porcupine says, what's this, a high fashion, a high class fashion show? How interesting. I was going to content myself with the valuables in the hotel, hotel safe, but I'm glad I got the sudden urge to check out this ballroom. Now, was, did Michael, 
because we know who Michael is later. Did he put the notion or urge for Porcupine to come in and check the ballroom so that he could whisk away with Karina Walters that we're going to see in a few panels? What do you think? Um, my initial thought is that probably was not the way they wrote it, but it's kind of a clever way to look at it. So I'm going to say, yeah, <laughs> I don't think they intended it, but I think we should read it that way anyway. Well, it's just odd that he says, I got the sudden, cause he just say, yeah, I, I'm, I'm here to rob the ho- to rob the hotel, but it says, but I'm glad I got the sudden urge to check out this ballroom. And it happens immediately after he sees, uh, Michael sees Karina. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, maybe you're right. It's it's and and if so, it's it's a little subtle and it's cool. So, so I think we should read it that way. That's the way I'm seeing it. So basically, he starts, uh, you know, saying, "Everybody, give me your money." Blah blah blah. And one of his uh, his uh, goons, his henchmen, hey, he says, "Hey, what's?" And it's funny because the guy knows what's about to happen. He says, "Hey, what's going on here?" There's an empty suit of clothes on the floor. Oh, cripes, don't tell me. And bam, he gets zapped by uh, Yellow Jacket. He's like, you got it, mister. A genuine superhero is present. An Avenger, no less. So, And then uh, the Wasp has shrunk down uh, because uh, luckily for her, she thought ahead and made her fashion gown out of unstable molecules. Unluckily for us. Yes, unluckily for us. Because she says, boy, it's a good thing I didn't have to go into battle naked. Which, you know what? That would probably distract people more. To see a small naked flying woman in front of him, then a small a small woman with a toga. Of course, then she blasts him with. And and it's just been noted here that um, she no longer has the mechanical stingers because uh, now she can harness. Uh, Hank had created uh, modified her wasp serum so that she can now shoot bio energy stings and not mechanical stingers. Okay, now um, there's the the next scene when the guy is she's not looking. It's my chance to to nail her, and he's got a gun. Now, how big would you say she is when she shrunk down like that? Maybe size of a baseball. Mm, I'm trying to put it in the reference with yeah, where the guy's got the gun and he's getting ready to shoot her. Yeah, I mean, because she's pretty close to us, so but uh, you know, like like she, she's base, yeah, fairly maybe, small, yeah, fairly small, and she's flying around. I always thought they were more like the size of like your thumb. Yeah, but but. Like, look at her when she comes up next to uh, Nighthawk's face. She looks significantly bigger than that. Yeah, or even she, as she's shooting down at this guy's head. Yeah, she's like the size of a softball or a baseball. You're right, yeah. But, but even even at that size, she's flying around and, you know, moving moving fairly rapidly. This guy thinks he's going to get a beat on her and shoot her just because she's not looking. Seriously? You'd be, that's, you'd, that's a pretty, you know, you got to Yeah, be, but you know what? you got to, like, have Hawkeye kind of aim. If she is that big, you know. to shoot a baseball out of the air. I'm not saying I could, but I did shoot a Tweety Bird out of the air with a shotgun once at uh, like 30 feet, but it was a fluke. Yeah, that's that's my point. It's, I, I don't think he should have been quite so confident that he was going to get her. Yeah. Take the shot instead of thinking about it. <laughs> take the shot. Take the shot. So, yeah, and then suddenly, pa-pam, Nighthawk. I guess he had his uh, suit and cape and cowl and everything uh, with him somewhere. Yeah, they they all fold up neatly underneath your suit. You could wear, you could wear, you could keep your cape underneath your suit. No one will even notice it. So uh, what the size of that cape? Yeah, it's <laughs> and the boots. Where was he? Where did he have the boots? He's got the big flared out leg boots. He's got the buccaneer boots. Uh huh. He's got yellow buccaneer boots. Uh, anyway, he goes over and uh, oh, and we just passed a uh, a Thor ad. Thor in in the uh, it's a hostess ad in the Dingaling family. I think uh, I think, I think that's been Scott called, yeah did a recreation of that one. Mm-hmm. So uh, the they they take down the last of the um, or they're still in the process of taking down the 
the porcupine and his goons. And Karina Walters, the last model that went up, uh, is suddenly approached by the man in the tuxedo. And he basically, you know, there's like unspoken communication going back and forth between them. And she uh, basically accepts his offer silently. They, 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 they hold hands looking at each other. And as the melee is ensuing around them, they start to glow, become like bright yellow, and then basically poof, disappear unseen. And um, they're concerned that, uh, you know, when they notice that Karina Walters has disappeared, um, says, and she's still wearing your jumpsuit. <laughs> really? That's what we're worried about? Yeah, anyway. So Hank well, actually. But they don't, they don't know that she just. Right. They think. That, the way. They think she just left. Yeah. Like, and, and, and Hank says that. He says, well, I'm sure she just got frightened and ran off somewhere. She'll turn up. Jan says, I hope that was my favorite outfit. And Nycock says, by the way, Jan, I want to congratulate you. Your fashion show had much, more, had much, much more zing than usual. And we get uh, a 70s, uh, a 70s response. Oh, you... sit on it, Nighthawk. Oh, sit yeah, on I was, it. I was thinking that when I read it, that that's, that's kind of dates the book a little, that expression. There's a lot of things in here that date this. Right but, out of happy days. But it's still a good book. Oh, it's a great book. But that's. Yeah, it's just, you know, it, it it really, like, it's presented as if it's a done-in-one. You know, you know they didn't actually meet up with Korvac, which is who they're searching for. But the story is kind of, you know, the, the first thing is to make sure that the S.H.I.E.L.D. station isn't killed. And the second thing is uh, Porcupine. And, and both of those missions are accomplished at the end of it. So it's almost like, yeah, okay, this story's done. Now we can move on to something else. Yeah, because it's like, hey, the Guardians are here. There's no problem here. They're searching for some guy. They're searching for Korvac. Porcupine does his thing, and then there's this weird thing that happened with this guy and this other woman, and you know, boom, that's it. Now we'll go on to the next issue. You know, it's an, and it's just starting to drop hints. Yeah, it's it's almost like the whole Guardians going after Korvac is just a subplot, and that's not really being continued from this one. Mm-hmm. Well, because I mean, we know from read from reading it who the guy in a tuxedo is, and if you haven't figured it out yet, I mean, should we spoil it? I think it's I, I think it's safe to spoil. Yes, the guy in the tuxedo is Korvac, who through we'll say what happens later, how he gets to where he is, but he's been transformed and he's the one that whisks away with uh Karina. Now I'm not gonna say who Karina is at this time, because some people may not know. And she was they, also they know, but we don't have to get into it yet. We'll get yeah. into it when it's revealed. Yeah. I, I don't think I don't I don't think there's too many people out there who are familiar with this story in any way, shape, or form and don't know who she is. Well, you never know. There might be somebody that just just hasn't read this yet. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. they wouldn't be familiar with the story at all. Yeah, so, oh. In which case, they're probably not listening to us anyway, and they probably don't care. <laughs> Screw you, all. Screw you, <laughs> Danny. Let us some steam. All right, but yeah, A's all around for this. I think it's a great story. Mm-hmm. Uh, great book. Well, you know, just just a. a Tremendous prologue to uh, to a great story, and and it it but it's a prologue jammed filled with information. It's not like that uh, Ultimates number one that we read. Oh no no no! There's there's like we said, there's two separate storylines in here. You know, in a, in one book, and both fairly and satisfying. both are pretty dense and have a yeah. lot going on. And I mean, there's 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 not just a Guardian storyline. There's also the the underlying tension between Cap and Iron Man. You know, there's the whole thing with Wonder Man feeling inadequate. There's Thor wondering why he's being whisked away. There's a lot of things going on here. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 great. It's 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 that simple. It's just a great book. Yeah, I know. I mean, I 
I guess there's not going to be too many times on Avengers Spotlight where we're like, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I mean, sometimes when we, when we take random books, that yeah, usually when we do the random books, but not on not on these. When we're doing a true spotlight episode. I don't yeah. think it's going to. Although I'm sure when we do the Celestial Madonna saga, I'm sure Scott will have some something to say if if he's on for those shows. <laughs> we will see, but I, I I look forward to doing that at some point too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's another one that's a long a long play, the long yeah. con, I guess you could say. I don't I don't know when we're going to get to the next issue of this one, but for issue one, I'm very happy. Yep, next one is going to be issue 168. After this, let me take a quick look in my book real quick. Let's see if I remember it. Oh, okay, I remember this. We're... Oh yeah, that's the one that comes after this. Shut up. That's going to have Peter Henry Guyrich in it. You remember him, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, what a dick. <laughs> but anyway, we'll save that for next time. When we next do. time. Next time in an all-new Avengers Korvac Corner. Because we, we'll do, I don't know, well, we could start doing a regular Korvac thing. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll hit on it periodically. Yeah. So, yeah, next time we do this, we will at least cover at least one issue of Korvac and whatever else we do in that episode as well. So, would you like to jump into some email? Sure thing. Because it's been piling up. Yeah, well, we haven't read any email since November. Yeah. So, uh, I'll, I'll grab the first one, which is from, if it opens up for me, it's, oh, it's a long one, from Chris Keith, dated uh, November 7th. And titled Avengers Spotlight Under Siege Part 2. Gents, I just listened to the most recent Avengers Spotlight. I just recently reread Under Siege to gear up for this show, and it still holds up. Yeah, it has some questionable parts Snuggy wearing middle aged Avengers candidates. <laughs> and of course, the biggest glaring hole the story ends, but does anyone say, hey, that Scott Lang guy really helped out? And at no time, oops, and at no time. I think there should be a time in there. Yeah, and at no time did he did he say that his superhero theme, theme song was smack my bitch up <laughs> like the last guy to wear the costume. Maybe we should see if he wants a snazzy brown leather co- jacket and a $1,000 a week stipend from the Maria Stark Foundation. I know the jackets came later. An official Avengers subway pass? <laughs> Captain Marvel in the story was pretty much revealed to be what we always thought way too powerful. She is so superior in power level to everyone else that the writer has to exile her for most of the story. She could easily wipe the floor with all the masters in about 30 seconds. I'm picturing the wrecker and his crew on top of the mansion with make my day mannerisms. Five days, five seconds later, does 50,000 volts in your ass make you a day? <laughs> oh, and you're sterile. <laughs> yes, in my mind, the Monica Rambo Captain Marvel sounds like Pam Greer. <laughs> Jarvis. Okay, the episode contained a let's shit on Jarvis, where good old Edwin gets dogpiled for selling out the Avengers to Ultron back in the Crimson Cow storyline in Avengers 54 and 55. The segment that had me yelling at my iPhone, and I wanted to bust balls and give you guys crap for not reading the next issue's epilogue to the story. There's only one problem. That story was in 280, not in the next issue. The next two issues apparently detailed Dr. Druid waxing his back and Tyrak. They waited two issues to mention, hey, we left Jarvis as a pile of hamburger, we should address that. (laughs) 
in that book, Avengers 280, not the Dr. Druid grooming special, Tony Stark, who traveled from the left coast, gives Jarvis an out. He can retire and live a life of wealthy of a wealthy Mr. Smithers. Come on, he's not fooling anyone. As a way of making amends for his being a punching bag for Mr. Hyde, uh, Jarvis takes time to reflect back on his years of service to the Avengers, and one of the segments finally details what happened. Ultron hypnotized Jarvis to obey him, using his crazy, barely used, again, ability to hypnotize, and did not just convince him to assist for money. Jarvis was apparently later exonerated when he remembered what really happened, but for a brief time, the Wasp treated him like shit. Yes, the story was a retcon. Yet it occurred 20-something years after the fact, but Jarvis was not a turncoat asshole. That title was reserved for Snapper Carr over in the Justice <laughs> League back around issue 77, and that little bastard meant what he did. Okay, enough rambling for now. I'm loving the show as always, and until the Avengers let a fat, bald guy lead the Avengers, make mine more... Wait, oh well, Chris Keith. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Entertaining email, and we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, Who's I, our next email from, Bill? I guess we were a little hard on Jarvis, weren't we? Actually, I think the next email is the same one. Yeah, yeah, there was two duplicates. So okay. I'm, I'm going on to Jason Trenner. But but yeah, do you think uh, we were a little hard on Jarvis, I guess? I guess, and you know, but only because they retconned it. <laughs> you know, it's not, not because he wasn't, because uh, he did sell them out, because he did. But then they retconned it to make it okay because they kept him around. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, as long as you, you take that into account, I guess that's true then. All right, we won't pick on Jarvis. We're sorry, Kirsten. Well, I, I like Jarvis in uh, Agent Carter very much. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that has been a very uh, interesting kind of standing on his own. Doesn't completely, you know, he, he was getting ready to uh, – Actually, he was going to get ready to blast uh, Howard Stark out of the out, out of the sky. Yeah, yeah, very cool, very yeah. well done. Yep. Uh, and our next email comes from Jason Trenner, not spam. To, to make you it's been a long time since we got a not spam email. <laughs> not spam to make you don't delete this. Avengers versus the mighty the might of Doctor Doom, and with Rage and Sandman in one of the stories. Hey guys, nice to see Professor Allen was on the show. Just a pity it didn't have an email for me as he enjoys the adventures that my emails transform a day into. And I also made made the made the reference Scott Hogsworth can't contain me Gardner won't get it so that I effortlessly do. Made the reference Scott Gardner Hogsworth can't contain me Gardner won't get it get this in. okay. On to the first <laughs> issue of the trio. Well, that well, that was uh, that was a fun issue. That was part of a tale with supervillain team up, an interesting era of the Avengers, and one that has become in the minds of many the defining era of the Avengers and its lineup. Though I really want to see you guys review Avengers West Coast '75, as it'd be an offbeat choice. I'm okay. I keep blanking. What is Avengers West Coast '75? I'm not sure off the top of my head. Wait, let me consult the book. Actually, my book has fallen in half because apparently with this type spine, you can't bend it back that much, and half the book fell out. So I have two sections of the book. So I have a It's in good condition. Oh, I'm not worried about that. It shouldn't be West Coast Avengers. Wait a minute. Just passed another one for the quarterback saga? No. Oh, that was that newer version of the quarterback saga. I don't know if we're going to have to... Look at that as well, too. You know what? This just covers the Avengers. 
I thought it covered West Coast Avengers as well, but it, nope, it's just Avengers books. Avengers in the title. Avengers proper. Avengers proper. Proper. Hmm. Get me the proper. Although they do have Avengers Forever, Avengers Domination Factor. You can't tell me there's no West Coast Avengers in here. Marvel Double Feature. Back to our email. <laughs> I don't know. Did you find what Avengers 75 was? I'm looking. Uh... Vamp. My internet isn't really working very quickly, unfortunately. Unless I missed it in the middle of here. Okay, here we go. Uh, yeah, Marvel, the Marvel Wiki. Let's see. Doesn't have a synopsis of it, though. What's on the cover? The cover is... Here, let me look real West quick. Coast Avengers, which appear to be the Fantastic Four... Uh, along with the Scarlet Witch and Hawkeye and Wonder Man. And, oh, actually, I guess it's the West Coast Avengers against the Fantastic Four. It says Pawns of Archon, Pawns of Thundra, giant-sized blockbuster. I don't think I ever read this. It looks like, you know, one one of the two teams, the Fantastic Four, the West Coast Avengers, is being used by one of those two, and the other is being used by the other hmm. to, oh, okay. to bat each other. And, you know, maybe we'll have to read that at some point. I don't know. Maybe we won't. I don't know. But in the meanwhile... We'll get there. Back to the email. Uh, as it be an offbeat choice. I'm I'm big on those, to be honest, but it has... But, uh, but it has the Avengers, the FF, Tundra, and Akron, and the start of a relationship between the last two. Can't be any less offbeat than the other two choices. Also, also if Paul read the issue prior... At the end of that issue, that Thor talks about his hammer being able to send things to other dimensions, but it being too complicated to go in on TV with Doom watching and saying it would be one of prime interest to him. So, yeah, you had made a comment, like, how did Dr. Doom know that? Or, and I guess Thor had made a comment, says, yeah, I got that issue way back in the day. So, yeah, Avengers 332 and 333 were fun. I have read them before and found them enjoyable. And the next storyline is the one where Crystal joins the team. The fo the foes, it'll be more obscure warriors than ultimate ones. The foes... Yeah. I don't know. Also, one Doom and Avenger storyline surprise that wasn't mentioned was the opening story arc of Dark Avengers, where the Avengers, as I'm sure now that lineup is considered not to really be an Avengers lineup, has to help Doctor Doom get his armored bacon saved from a pissed-off former lover. And Doom, in his taste in women, had to pick a woman capable of hurting even him and killing the sentry. What? Well, the sentry, every time the sentry dies, he comes back anyway. But uh, I've got some of those Dark Avengers books. I, I, I picked them up, I, but I, I have, have a couple of them. But I haven't read them yet. I'm trying to wait to get all the, 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 the stuff with them. But yeah, I know what the I didn't know that there's a thing with Doom in them, so that's kind of inter interesting. And possibly, could child support payments uh, might be involved as the fearless defenders fought the daughter of Doom and Morgan Le Fay? Yeah, that was one big mess for Doom. Speaking of big messes, we have to include that Rage turned out to be a minor, also had him using his Avengers identification uh, identity card to swipe a Quinjet for the new warriors to use to get halfway around the world. And it got stolen by the villains they defeated and ended up lost. That Quinjet and where it ha has gone amuses me. Basically, it could be anywhere or in the hands of nearly anyone by now, and no one could disagree with that. Good episode, guys. Can't wait to see what else you review of the Avengers. 
yeah, I know Rage gets kicked out because it's it is turned out that he's a an adolescent and um and I guess he does go to the New Warriors. But I didn't know that he had swiped a Quinjet. Yeah, I didn't know that either. <laughs> so yeah. Thank, well, thank, thanks for the email, Jason. It's <laughs> good to hear from you again. It's been a while. It's been a while since a not spam came in. The next email is from our friend, Professor Allen. Dear Mr. Paul and Mr. Dr. Bill, thank you for having me on your show recently. That was very nice of you, and you were very nice to me having me on as I am just your lowly unpaid intern. Being able to talk about Mr. Dr. Doom was an honor, and I had a good time. I am sorry that Mr. Scott was not there, because despite what you always say, Mr. Paul, he actually seems like a decent fellow. I would like to come back on your show again someday as soon as I finish washing and waxing your cars. Your faithful lackey, Professor Allen. Yeah, you missed yes, the spot. Uh, yeah, my car is not looking that shiny, my friend. So uh, we'd like to have you back, but I don't know if we can. You, you just, you know, I'm afraid we can't give you a good forwarding, uh, you know, like a good, um, yeah. Recommendation. Thank you. I was going to say reference, but yeah, that, but that'll work too. So... Moving on from our former intern, we move to the next email, and this comes from Jason Sandberg, and the title is – the subject is Feedback for Avengers Spotlight 7 and 8. Paul, Bill, and Scott, thank you for completing the Under Siege coverage. The Sturm, Buscema, Palmer era is my Avengers, and that's in quotes, my. That, that was the run where every month – I look at my friends and say, can you believe Dr. Druid is in this book? No, it says, can you believe how lucky we are to be getting this? I never hesitate to revisit those issues. So thank you for taking us along for the ride. The Dr. Doom show was a great idea. It gave the episode both focus and variety. The length and complexity of Avengers history should provide endless opportunities to keep the podcast fresh. Yeah, that's if we get around to doing it. Can I suggest a show where you each pick your favorite George Perez issue <laughs> or your favorite The Old Order Changeth issue? That's kind of interesting. Yeah, I think Scott had actually suggested that at one time that we do that. And I, I like that idea. So I, mm -hmm. I definitely think we'll get to that at some point. And uh, it says, uh, looking forward to more Avengers spotlights in 2015. Jason Sandberg. And then there's a PS down here. It says, PS, in the interest of journalistic integrity, I urge that in the future you bar Professor Milton from participating in podcasts about the misunderstood monarch. Don't let that hapless intern routine f fool you. He's on the payroll of the public relations secretariat at the Latvian embassy. <laughs> well, we won't, Jason. We won't. Okay, our next email, and uh, thank you, Jason. I appreciate, appreciate your email, by the way. Uh, our next email is from Kirk Groenveld. Uh, hey, guys, I heard you had responded to my earlier email, but I learned of it in the most roundabout way, just to, by way of, uh, of explanation. If, if anybody uh, does not recall, Kirk had written to us in the past because we had uh, an episode where Kirk was a little unhappy that we were... Uh, not very focused in our coverage that we had a little bit too many, a few too many tangents and, uh, and didn't really, uh, provide the, uh, the episode that he was expecting. By chance, I decided to give Professor Allen's podcast about the zombie apocalypse in Riverdale a listen and heard in, in passing a comment that someone had gotten a critical email and addressed it. It was about then that I guessed there was an episode of Back to the Bins that I needed to seek out. 
As a result, in skimming the listings under Back to the Bins, again, an Avengers spotlight caught my attention, and I downloaded it. There it was. It was my email from the prior Avengers spotlight. First, you are right. I have a terrible name to try and pronounce. Don't give it another thought. Uh, there's no such thing as a terrible name. Whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, uh, that's fine. It's, uh, you know, it is what it is. Second, I appreciate the time that you took to weigh my comments, and you shared it and looked at it correctly. I had assumed that you'd ignore it as a crank, but the fact that you took it positively was most impressive. Quite a review of it. In truth, I would not have come back to the show, but I understand some of the charm is the unstructured humor. And knowing this, perhaps I should have been more tolerant. But it was an Avengers spotlight. You are right about why it bugged me. I think podcasts that have hosts that laugh and joke are more attractive, and you don't want to lose that. In, you don't want to lose that fun. I don't blame you. I had to stop after the first half an hour to write this to you, but I'll be listening to the rest of the new Avengers spotlight on the road to work tomorrow, and I'll let you know, Kirk G. Thank you, Kirk. I appreciate your follow-up email, and uh, you know, it, it, again, it's it's not easy to get critical emails. Uh, but I do appreciate it, and if it helps us to do better, and I hope it has helped us to do better, mm-hmm. uh, you'd, you'd be the one to tell us whether it has or not. But if it helps us to do better, then it's even more appreciated. Well, thank you, Kirk. Yeah, I'm uh, glad that you wrote back, back in again, uh, although we haven't seen another email from you since December. So <laughs> well, hopefully you'll hear this one and you'll be inspired to write us again and tell us how we're doing. So, And in our last email, and we were all caught up with the Avengers Spotlight email, and this comes from Gene from Greenville, South Carolina. I think this is a new person, is it not? As far as I know. Hmm. I mean, it's from Kanan25. I don't know if that's Gene's last name. Uh, but he writes Maybe it's it, Charlie25. <laughs> shut up. Subject is not spam. Hey, wait a minute. Is he stealing Trenner's stick? Not spam. Avengers Spotlight Siege slash Super Nefarious Storyline. Dear B2B, back to the bins. Oh, back to bins. Oh, yeah, interesting. I never, I never thought of doing uh, B2B. B2B slash Avengers Spotlight. Just wanted to drop a line and say how much I enjoyed your coverage of Siege. Can't wait for the next episode of Spotlight. Have you considered doing Avengers 164 through 166? Intense. Well, we considered doing 167. <laughs> well, we, we we did the ones right after that. And, I guess that's uh, the, nefar- the, the Nefaria story, right? Is uh, that's Nefaria. Yeah, I believe that's Nefaria or Ultron. Which is worth doing at some point. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get around to all these. So, yeah, 165... Yeah, yes, that's count. That's Count Nefaria, sixty-four, sixty-five, and sixty-six. All Count Nefaria. Yeah, that's got the one. The one cover on one sixty-six is where Thor's chucking a hammer at him, and it bounces right. off his chest. He's standing there, and the vision's coming through like a uh, like a missile behind him, ready to jump on him. I still love that Count Nefaria costume. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool looking. Even when the lame Count Nefaria was wearing it. Yeah, but the uh, but the original Count of Fairy was cooler because he had black hair with white sideburns. He looked awesome. Sorry, yeah, every, everybody everybody has the uh, like everybody in the Marvel universe that goes gray does it that way. <laughs> Nobody just has salt and pepper. Nah, nah. So I'm that that sums that, up the email. Yeah, that pretty much closes out our Avengers spotlight for the. For, I was gonna say for this month, but it's been a few months since we did one. So for for however long it takes for us to do the next one. Yeah, well, maybe we can get you know. Uh, I guess our next project, because uh, this should come out before you hear the next project we're gonna do, 
which is back to the bins related, we're going to try to do an Ultron, but we could do that as an Avengers as well. Yeah, I think that'll be an Avengers show since it's for the Avengers movie and it's Ultron who's primarily an Avengers villain. All right, well, then we'll probably just do all Ultron and maybe if we have some emo by then um, and we'll probably just forego another because uh, it took us a while to go through this one issue. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to the next issue of, of the Korvac uh, focus, but yeah. before we do that, we want to do Ultron before the movie comes out. Yeah, so I think the next Avengers spotlight you hear will be an Avengers-centric, uh, a Ultron-centric one, and we better get moving on that because we only have less than two months. Yeah. Or yeah, just just over two, oh well, yeah, less than two months, May 1st. Oop, better, get, better get happen. And by the time this comes out, we'll have about three weeks, probably. Probably, yeah, so... All right. Well, I guess with that, we will bid you all good evening, good day, good morning, good afternoon. Farewell. See ya. Hope you had a real good time. Speaking of hard, we are also going to be using. <laughs> Speaking of no, hard, no, 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 you today. No, 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 no. That's not where I was going with that. Although he's okay. Well, the only one we'll uh, know for sure is Chris Tyler. <laughs> I don't know. Should we do the su- the surreal life with Doctor Bill? Oh. That's totally your call. All right, this is going to be severely edited. Speaking of hard, places I'm not going to name places or people be to protect the one my job they're not so innocent the, yeah they're not so innocent let's just say well would you like to bring us in on the mini segment ladies and gentlemen it's time for another episode of the real life with dr bill Roberts. so today my job took me my my job takes me to many places i've been to drug man, manufacturing not drugs as in illicit drugs but drug uh crystal meth if you will yeah, yes uh, i've been on the breaking bad set no i'm just kidding I've gone from the rooftops of Tampa to the into Tampa Stadium, uh, many different places, many different types of businesses. Well, today was a first. I got to go to a bed and breakfast, but not just any bed and breakfast. This was a bed and breakfast that caters to gay men. So, which is fine. I don't care. <laughs> I'm 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 not overly, you know, I, I don't care. Homophobic. Yes, I it, it doesn't matter to me. And, you know, it, it's just, if you do, you do. If you don't, you don't. Uh, my wife's Catholic, so, of course, she has a, probably some different t- takes on that. But she's kind of doesn't really, she's not a full-blown Catholic anyway. But anyway, I digress like I normally do. 
So I had to go in and uh, work on the fire system there today because it, it, it wasn't working. And... Is that a euphemism? A little Viagra? <laughs> no. Went in and uh, had to, yeah, of course, I'm going to spout all. Well, okay, as I'm driving there, I, I'm looking at my GPS. My GPS often takes me to the wrong places because there's, there's many zip codes in this certain city I'm going to. And uh, a lot of the streets get duplicated. So I'm driving up and, and I'm, you know, I know what this place is as I'm coming up. I, I see a school zone. Now, it's just like, wow, this place is right next to a school zone? I mean, it is just a bed and breakfast. But one of the other guys that had been there prior to me had said, there's a big rainbow flag out front. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I should be able to spot this place. So not, not, not only do I see a school zone, then I see a church. It's a, ch- it's a school in a church. I'm like this can't really this is and sure enough as soon as i got to the next street right across the street from the this particular church and and school is this bed and breakfast which i'm not going to give the name because i don't want to get in trouble with work i want to keep this kind of vague <clears throat> so i pull in and uh, no that's not another euphemism <laughs> <laughs> i park in the back alley again not a euphemism and i step inside to uh find the the owner and i go open the door to the pool area which it has a high privacy fence which that'll come in later there's a high privacy fence back by the pool and i walk in and i i ask for the owner he, he comes out and he takes me over to where the panel's at and as i'm walking around i'm seeing all these you know the little roman greco statues of david naked i'm like mm, okay but then I'm starting to see like pictures, uh, like big collages on a wall of like muscular men. I'm like, really? All right. <laughs> so I go and I start working on the panel, and I'm doing my stuff. My, you know, of course I, yeah, I shouldn't say things like that. And um, more, more euphemisms. Yeah, more euphemisms. On my way out, I, because uh, I had to go back to my van to get some stuff, and I, I come back in, and I see a gentleman sunbathing and i'm thinking wow i hope he's wearing a speedo or man he's really fat well he was not wearing a speedo as i found out later when i went to exit back out of the building again and i just kind of kept walking you know it's all right don't not gonna worry about it came back in now i was a little distracted by the large naked man and uh went to set up went to test the fire alarm and forgot that i still had all the signals connected and when i set it off it blasted the whole building which caused the naked man to jump up off his chair <laughs> at, at the pool and then the owner comes over i'm like oh sorry sorry about that sorry i was uh, i forgot i had that connected blah 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 and uh, and then i said to him uh hey do your guests mind me being here you know i'm kind of hinting like you know do, do your guests want to put some clothes on while i'm here and um he's like oh no if you don't mind they don't mind so of course i say well you know i was in the navy six years so i've it's not like i haven't seen a man before and then in my head i go shut the hell what are you saying (sighs) so i go back out to my van and at this point i call chris tyler and go dude you'll never believe where i'm at right now and so he gets a chuckle out of it and (laughs) chris got up out of his chair (laughs) by the pool (laughs) (laughs) wait bill let me get up from i i'm at the pool oh my god you're over there (laughs) (laughs) so uh, when i go back out uh, I do some more testing on the fire alarm, blah, 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 and I get, I'm all done, and I get my paper, I go back out, do the paperwork, do some computer work, step back in to go find the owner, but, well, no, 
I had found the owner, and I went back in to make sure I didn't leave anything, because I had previously just left stuff at a job site before. I didn't want to have to come back and make a return trip just for one thing. So, <laughs> I stepped back by the pool, and now there's not just one naked man, but there are four naked men. <laughs> and in addition to the four naked men, there's one guy with a large French poodle wearing a speedo, and he's sitting in a deck chair. And I have to walk. Yeah, and and, and and I have to walk past the dog to get to where I'm going. And as soon as the dog sees me, the dog starts barking. So everybody stares at me. The large, fat, naked man. The young. I'm just gonna sound so bad when I say this. The young buff guy laying on his. Thank God he was laying face down, but he was naked too. And he they, he looks up at me. There's two men in the pool, and they were in a somewhat of an embrace. They look at me, and I'm just like. <laughs> what is going on? So I just walk back, check for my stuff, and I walk out. And then uh, I called you later on, Paul, too, to tell you. It's like, hey, this is what happened to me yeah, today. I appreciate being in the loop, so to speak. Yeah, so that was uh, the, I call that the surreal life with Dr. Bill Robinson. And, and for I, anybody who thinks Dr. Bill doesn't lead a glamorous existence, well, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I was about to say the things I do for money. Uh, that this hard <laughs> <laughs> for the money. Who would, who would have thought you'd you know you'd be seeing a big fat guy and wishing for a banana hammock? Yeah, that's, yeah, I was. Oof, yeah. <laughs>